0: Welcome back to another episode of the Messy Truths Podcast. We have a special messy politics and protest episode today. This is Mar. I am recording live and direct from Montreal.
1: Yo, yo, yo. It's the middle child. Always recording from the... Well, not always, but today Mm -hmm. recording from the land of the Kanakahages. Very happy to get into this episode right up my alley, down my street. And we're going to go down south where they don't are not shy to protest either.
2: True that. This is Azar recording from New York City and this is such a relevant topic for me right now. So I'm really glad we're doing this. Um, but of course, I'm going to let our activist sister, <laughs> our awarded oh highly God, reclaimed activist sister, take the lead on this episode and give us a little bit of background as to what exactly is a revolution. So set it off, Nish.
1: Shout out to everybody who is Sikh or Hindu. Uh, Happy Diwali to you. And actually, it's totally on the line with today's show because Diwali is about um, victory over evil, like, you know, bringing the light to the darkness. And I think it's totally in line with today. So Unfortunately for you listeners, when you know it's me talking, it's some serious shit. And uh, today we're going to talk about revolutions. Now, there have been many revolutions. Revolutions essentially means to turn things around. That's essentially like the quintessential quintessential epistemological ep- definition of a revolution, right? It's a, to turn things around. And we've had many revolutions over the years. Revolutions are neither good or bad. They are. And a lot of times they can be against regimes. A lot of people think of revolutions in terms of government revolutions. But there have been a lot of types of revolutions and re-revolutions, meaning like things that have been revolutionized going back. And uh, we've seen that happen as well. But To kick off, we're gonna start with, um, all revolutions are relevant, by the way. Everybody has their sides of the story. There's never a black and white in a revolution. Um, It can divide people. It can unify people. It can make changes. And sometimes the changes are not great. And sometimes they're Mm -hmm. fantastic. That's just what it is. Everybody is a revolutionary in their own way. I should preface by saying that. You're not me in the streets. That's okay. I know our sister Oz here made a post. I was so proud to see the post. I was like, look at Oz out there turning shit around, being a revolutionary. Um, some people put their revolutionary shoes down at the moment. Not everybody um picks up the cause for everything. Fun fact people can only really engage with three things at the time. That's our empathy levels. It's usually three things. Really?
0: That's
2: interesting.
1: And um yeah it's an empathy thing that's how the media plays on us this is important no sorry it's no longer important to you move on to the next but yeah our our compassion levels can do it with three major things um but we'll get more into that fun stuff actually maybe not fun but just you know neurological stuff but i want to start with um something that's close to home for our sister which is iran and just a note for everybody on the show that Oz's mine, Mars our expressions are our own our opinions are our own we certainly do not represent everybody's opinions on any of these revolutionary events but they are owns and so they're motherfucking Mm -hmm. ours so too bad (laughs) but you can always put your comments in there take it or leave it you're more than welcome to leave it but I'm taking it so I'm gonna let Oz express hers on the first revolution that's currently happened, not the first one to happen in this country, but definitely one that I think social media is helping catch a fire. Probably not the right language, given what's going on. But definitely that is trailing, I'm making the news. Not enough, but no revolution um, makes the news enough. But um, take us to the Middle East, to Iran, what's going on, Oz?
2: So I think there, this needs a little bit of a backstory because... Yeah. This revolution, you know, kind of directly follows, 43 years later, a prior revolution that happened in Iran. Um, so you guys may have heard already, you know, the hashtag Mahsa Amini is going around, which in itself is so layered. Um, but Massa Amini, which is her Iranian name, her actual name is Jina Amini, which is kind of shows you the problematic situation to begin with. Uh, She is Kurdish Iranian, and the current Islamic Republic did not even accept her Kurdish name. So the reason why you're seeing Masa Amini is that was her Islamic Republic given name. But her name is actually Gina Amini. And she was, uh, like many Iranians, forced to wear the hijab, like all Iranian women forced to wear the hijab. And She was stopped by a, you know, group of the part of the regime that are called the morality police. Just so you know, I used to refer to them as the Komite when I was in Iran. So that's what we used to refer to them as. And I know exactly what they look like, exactly who they are. And I have, considering I did not live in Iran for very many years, I have come across them and. I am traumatized by what they've done to me, my family members. So anybody who is from Iran has definitely had some encounters with these folks. Um, They basically can arrest you wherever you are. If you're not wearing a proper hijab, if you're listening to music, if you are in a room with people of the opposite sex and that you don't have a marriage certificate with them, They basically are the enforcers of the rules of the Islamic Republic. Now, notice, I did not say they are enforcers of Islam. These two things are very, very different. And I know that this is very complex, that this whole situation is, you know, it can be tough for outsiders to criticize a regime that has the Islamic title attached to it. But, you know, it's becoming more and more outspoken even by religious leaders in Iran that this is not Islam, right? We, you know, Islam is not about torture. It's definitely not about rape, which happens a lot in these uh, prisons with the Islamic police, um, the morality police, sorry. Um, Islam is not about, uh, murder. It's definitely not about the violation of human rights. And therefore, it's been a touchy subject for a lot of people to talk about. So I can understand some people's silence. However, just to shed some light on the situation. Back to Massa, I Aminijina Amin. Mean, she was visiting Tehran, I believe. And she um, was, they, they said that she was not wearing her hijab properly. So they took her in custody with several other women, and they basically take you to a class where they teach you how to probably wear the properly wear the hijab. And by the way, they could do whatever they want. They could arrest you. They could put you in jail for two weeks. They could take you to a class. They literally have all the rights, and you have none. And there are visuals and pictures of these truckloads of women being taken from the streets. And it's just a... Form of control, right? It's just a form of mass control and fear um, in order to keep control over a really large population because, you know, it, they're definitely outnumbered, but they have way more power than the regular citizens of Iran. They take her in. The story is that she had some sort of cardiac arrest, uh, that she had some pre existing medical issues. There's video footage of her collapsing, but there's also somebody with her the whole time who's a reporter who took a picture of her in a coma in the hospital and basically said that she was beaten. It happens all the time. Nobody's surprised. This came to light in the most amazing way because, again, since this happens all the time, the... The narrative that's pushed is that these people got hurt or again, they have some pre-existing conditions or they committed suicide or they got hit by a car. And it's the fear that has the Iranian population not speaking up because they're ruthless. They will then harm your family members and maybe take more of your children. This time it came out. It came out because the picture was publicized. It came out because Massa's father refused to say that she had pre-existing conditions. And this was the last straw, right? This was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, The people got sick and tired of it and have been revolting since September of this year. And it has not stopped. So it's October 24th. There are daily protests in Iran. Since then, hundreds of people have been killed. Thousands of people have been arrested and put into these jails. Um... Thousands of people have been abducted, whether you're protesting or not. If you've made commentary and they can identify you from your social media posts, they've been abducted. They've been taken Um, personalities, you know, influencers, if you will, artists, poets, students, students have been attacked in their schools and taken. Like, really, this is just the regime versus the people. And, And that is what's currently happening in Iran. It's unfortunate that there hasn't been so much media um, representation of it, at least Western media. I'm not sure why that is. You know, I'm not into conspiracy theories or anything like that, but I understand the focus, at least for the United States, is the war that's happening in Ukraine right now. It's very much the highlight of conversation when it comes to global, you know, news And the Iranian protests, even though it's garnering so much attention all around the world, there have been global protests just as recent as Berlin a few days ago had 100,000 people from the Iranian diaspora come out um, in support of the protests that are happening in Iran. There is footage right now of people who are just, you know, protesting in, in a calm way on the streets, being shot and killed just for being out there. Um, there's footage of women who are not wearing their hijab being attacked, assaulted, physically assaulted by multiple men at the same time, um, morality police and, you know, on the streets, powerless. Um, it's all happening and it's not stopping. And, you know, Nisha, you mentioned that some revolutions bring change. I feel like this revolution is very different from the 1979 revolution, which I will get into because it's, it's just civil unrest and regardless of the brutality that they're being faced with, they're not stopping. There was a post that I saw online where a young woman was saying, you know, my parents are telling me, why are you risking your life and, and protesting on the streets? And she said, for freedom, because without freedom, we're not mm-hmm. alive anyway. And that is the sentiment across the country. So... Just to kind of backtrack and and set in position why the Islamic Republic is in uh, power today, this all started in 1979. Prior to 1979, Iran was a monarchy. It was run by the Shah. um, And the Shah at the time had brought in a lot of westernized cultural appropriation, if you will, and he was taking away from the people in Iran's freedom of choice, just like this republic is taking it away, probably not to this degree, but definitely, you know, bringing some cultural differences that the Iranian people didn't find their own. And they were they felt like they were being, I don't want to say whitewashed, but almost, right? So there was a lot of objectification of women, which is not something that was popular in the Iranian culture. They were, as opposed to saying you have to wear mandatory hijabs, they were telling people they can't wear hijabs, mm. which is you know just as bad. And people like my grandmother and my aunts who um, practiced Islam um, were being violated on the streets by by like a bunch of people running and grabbing their hijabs off of their heads. So they were had to find creative ways to cover themselves by wearing hats or like bonnets or, you know, wrapping their hair in a certain way that didn't look like a hijab.
0: Just as bad, right? Um, and that revolution It's was, basically like one pe- pendulum swung one way and now it swung all the way to the opposite end. Exactly. So that revolution was
2: also very much led by women young women in Iran, students, um, you know, a generation of women that felt like they were being objectified and felt like their their culture and traditions were not being respected, hijabis and non-hijabis alike. And there was a huge disparity between rich and poor at the time of the Shah. And so the economics, you know, the influence of the West, everything really kind of set, a, set fire to that revolution. But with that revolution there was support from the US government so when the shah was overthrown the US government was already in talks with the ayatollah Khomeini who was in France and they kind of made a deal with him or so it said you know so so the, the history kind of alludes to and you know the ayatollah said hey listen i will have great dealings with you guys if you help me get the shah out of the way And that's what caused the change. And when the Islamic Republic came, they were very welcomed by the people of Iran because their culture, their their values kind of aligned with what culture kind of existed in Iran. But very shortly after their entrance into power, they enforced the, the hijab, the mandated hijab. They started being very dismissive of any other religions and cultures that existed in Iran. They actively neglected the baluchi people the kurds the turks the other cultures and minorities that lived in iran that was that were harmoniously living in iran prior to that time mm-hmm. uh again you know the whole lgbtq community suffered women men everybody everybody went down with this regime there's only a handful of people who are regime supporters who benefit from the the values and the the riches of the country, I should say. So oil money, you know, anything that exists that is of value in Iran is not available to the Iranian people. It is available to a hand few, a, a, a select few, a An handful. Elite, elite, elite representation of the population. Right. Yeah, And, and you know, it's just their money hungry power hungry Mm -hmm. people who have taken advantage of the situation for way too long um and and that's we're here today where this revolution was also really pushed forward by the young iranian women the students people who've had enough i mean now they have access to see what the world looks like right through social media through the internet and that's one of the first things that they take away once they revolution once the revolution started once the kids started protesting and this happened back in 2019 as well 2018 i believe there was a an economic protest from the youth of Iran. And that went nowhere. So I feel like this is different because people are sacrificing themselves and they don't care anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. what else do you have to lose? If your human rights are being violated and your freedom is taken away from you, you're watching your brothers and sisters being slaughtered on the streets and you're being threatened to tell people that you've lost your child to suicide versus bullet holes you know, from the freaking police during a protest, what else do you have to lose? So, yeah, that's
0: where I remember seeing I remember seeing a um, an Iranian actress on television, on the news who was interviewed and the reporter had asked her, you know, how is this different compared to all the other revolutions? And what exactly is it that is driving everyone to do it, even though you know what the severe consequences can be. And she basically said, it's really, we have nothing to lose. We have nothing else left to lose because we have no freedom. And so there's no point to, you know, trying to contain ourselves and obey these ridiculous laws we have nothing to lose so let's just go all in and protest and risk our lives because we want to enrich our lives and i think it just gets to a point where you, if you're living in that type of uh society where you just feel like i don't have anything left might as well you know
1: see for those of That's you who high are risk. New, yeah for <laughs> those worried. of you who are new to revolutionary world I got some bad news. Um, it's not just about the people protesting. And that that's the issue. So when, when you become an activist, you got to know all the players in the game. And for this game, you know, I think people need to understand that Iran is also under theocracy where religion rules the government. But the problem is, is that I want to be careful, but uh, they're version of religion doesn't necessarily apply but the other thing is change revolutions don't always happen with the people who sacrifice themselves and you know i I really thank people who go out there and i really do hope iran can continue um shaming this the the regime for what they're doing Mm -hmm. the problem is it's the revolution that happens behind the scenes and if that doesn't go the our way this will continue. So let me explain for those of you who think I'm speaking cryptically. If governments continue to do business with Iran, including the United States, uh, then they will have no incentive to change because they're not cut off politically. They're not cut off economically. And that's one thing that's really frustrating for some people who are putting their life on the line Because people Mm -hmm. will continue to benefit while other people will die and cry in the streets. And that's just real talk and a revolution. Um, I'll bring up a revolution where we've seen how economics had to change things. When we talk about apartheid in South Africa, people knew this was systematically wrong. I mean, there are probably some people floating around the world who wish it would still happen and wish that there was still a separation of Africans from their homelands and putting them in places that... You know, small group of people moving into mm-hmm. South Africa and dominating, but that apartheid, after years of banging people's head, after the killing of Steel, of Steve Biko and and people going to the street and literally sacrificing themselves, it wasn't until we saw global economic sanctions, including Canada, that finally was like, oh yeah, maybe apartheid is wrong. You know, shit, Sherlock. And that's when we begin to see people saying, oh, this is starting to hurt my pockets. That's another part of revolutions that people don't like to hear. And that's the reality. That's why you've got to have change makers at every level in a revolution. The people on the street who take the biggest hit, the biggest sacrifice, but the big swingers are the ones where it starts to hurt their pockets. It has to be that this is no longer economical, sustainable for the current government in order for it to change. And that has nothing to do with God.
2: Well, what's interesting. And that, that's something
1: that we have to remember
2: that you brought that up. So one of the pushes that you're hearing from the Iranian people and the diaspora is not to put more sanctions on Iran because the sanctions actually trickle down and hurt the people of Iran, but Mm -hmm. to cut off the, international ties that the ayatollah and the mullahs and the people in the islamic regime have currently which is their children living very you know comfortable lives (laughs) living abroad in the united states in canada you know in europe and by the way their children are not covered so let's put that out there so yeah there you know the Ayatollah's niece and granddaughter or whatever are out here in the United States and Canada posting pictures in bikinis while his regime is killing other people's daughters in the country for not wearing their hijab properly. Right. It's a huge, it's, it's hypocrisy at its finest. And if you want to hurt them, you need to hurt them where it hurts them and not hurts the people of Iran and the sanctions are not doing much, right? They're, the reality yeah. is you got to get personal. And because the West has interfered in the past and not really done what's beneficial for the people of the country, but what's beneficial to themselves, the pressure now is, you know, let the Iranian people deal internally with, you know, the, the country. So the external, um, you know, hands and getting muddled into it has to be very limited to cutting these guys off. That's it.
1: Yeah. Cut them off. But they have to it has to go where they hurt. And recently when I was at the UN, Iran was there and there was not even acknowledgment of what was happening. So th- this is something that has to be looked at from a governmental perspective because we've seen unfortunately revolutions a lot of people die. And a lot of changes don't Mm -hmm. always happen. So that's one of the things people need to realize on today's show that you got to, you got to stay the course and you always got to be the one who is like pushing it when no one else is pushing it. Because I'll tell you something in a couple of cycles, new cycles, this will disappear, but it's not disappearing from their reality in Iran. Right. Uh, something we also, its I wouldn't say it's a revolution, but it's definitely an aggression is that we see in Russia and Ukraine, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, this was like, oh my God, how could this be happening? Why did Russia wake up one day and say, oh, this is for us? But now you don't see it in the news cycle anymore, right? And so part of being a revolutionary is doing the work when no one else is watching you do the work. Or, you know, when the work is just, Um, really hard to continue. And so there's many examples. And if you get go to good old Quebec, um, which is (laughs) like filled with, I mean, we had our own revolution against, you know, the Catholic Church in the 1960s called the, the quiet revolution. And the only reason it's called quiet because there weren't deaths, there was only one kidnapping. But that's the reason why they call it the Quiet Revolution.
0: Well, there, there, there were like few deaths. There wasn't a yeah, whole lot. there wasn't a
1: lot of bloodshed. Few, but it but wasn't, wasn't like, like a
0: massacre or anything no. like that. Yeah.
1: But some of the revolutions that I would say are continuing to happen in Quebec, for example, is the constant microaggression, micromanaging, and the reduction of Anglo's. Right. And so, this constant definition of like what's a historical Anglo. Or, um, oh you God. know, the current laws that are put in place. And and actually, it's a very interesting time because for Quebec, they feel like historically, they feel like they've been in revolution since the 18th century
0: against the English. And that yeah, I think it's I think it's really important to point out a little bit of background history on that with regard to Quebec. Um, So for those people who do not live here in Canada or are not familiar with Quebec history, you should know that the Francophone community in Quebec, they were oppressed. They were treated pretty poorly by the English side of the population of the province. And um, we're talking like job discrimination, all kinds of discrimination. Uh, Poverty was really pretty rampant among them. They were denied jobs. They were denied the right to speak their own language at work. And so, you know, that's what led to the Quiet Revolution. They had politicians who stood up, said enough was enough. A lot of this um, influence in the community was being ruled by the Catholic Church. And people eventually got fed up and decided, hey, you guys are making more progress than us. And we don't think that's equal. And so they rose up and said enough was enough. And they actually, yes, there was the Quiet Revolution where it did get violent. Um, And the federal government, it got so violent that the federal government actually sent in the army to kind of control things. And so um, following that period, you saw a lot of Francophone politicians who came into power and decided this is never going to happen again. But the problem is that like in other (laughs) revolutions, the pendulum once again has swung swung to the opposite end and the, over the last like several decades, uh, the governments who have ruled Quebec have been um, kind of bowing down to the Francophones in what we call les régions, the regions, outside of like cosmopolitan cities like Montreal. And so um, decisions are being made by the people who live in those parts of the province um, and it's kind of unfortunate because their representation in terms of voting is much larger than that of Montreal, even though the majority of the population lives here in this city, and unfortunately decisions are being made in the rural parts of Quebec for the cosmopolitan parts of Quebec, and it's a huge shame because they, the people in the regions do not have any familiarity or as much familiarity with people of different uh, people who are racialized people who are of different religions, they are very anti religion. And so it's bad enough that they are have very sore feelings and rightly so about the way the Catholic Church ruled them. And, you know, made decisions over, you know, during in history. Um, but it now it's like a hatred for any kind of religion, especially Islam. So nah. oddly enough, we had what we call the secularism law here in Quebec, which was passed, unfortunately. And there are still many good lawyers and people who are fighting the fight to reverse that law. It's getting to Supreme Court levels. And unfortunately, what this law does is it discriminates against, um, it, it's a secularism law that's designed to prevent anyone who works for the government as a civil servant from wearing any ostentatious religious symbols. <laughs> so, you know, the, I, I, think, I think we all can agree that the majority of the people that they, the government is attacking are people who are Jewish and who wear the kipas and, and who wear other religious symbols, yes. The Sikh community and as well as female Muslim hijabis. Women. yeah yes the so, irony you know. is that
1: i think it's a lot see i think that's the problem with revolutions that people don't understand when you're going to plan a revolution you got to plan how it happens after you win and oh, yeah. this is one of the issues right so you know yeah. in quebec's case like you know the pendulum swung and now they actually use the tactics that were used against them against other historically marginalized community. Um, so some fun facts for those of you who are not from Canada, um, Quebec actually uses tactics from residential schools. They In Quebec specifically, people from the in-up community cannot speak their language to their children. So, uh, you know, we have cases of Bill 21, Bill 40, uh, we can go on and on. We have Bill 2, which is where Quebec now is forcing you to put your biological and gender assignment on your birth certificate. So, sort of governmentally outing people. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, and again, these are tactics. Maybe not the gender assignment, but definitely the ones with, uh, you know, the residential schools and stuff that were used against them as well. And that's the that's the problem, and that we see with revolutions. I'm a, I'm always down for a good revolution but you need to know what's the plan after that right like how do you yeah. not repeat what was done for the whole reason a revolution or you know you have a lot of people who would say that life is just circular right and so we're always in these processes of changing and we see that happening for example And the example that you gave, Oz, with Iran, where, you know, they they, it's like this absence of balance. And this is the issue with humanity. We constantly are not looking for balance where people can coexist. There's constantly this desire to perpetuate a value system that's the dominant one versus including all views in a way that they can coexist. But don't get me started on that because then that'll be... But we've had many other revolutions, um, some good, some bad. Like I said, revolutions are neutral until you slap a leader in there and then see what happens. Um, You know, if we look at the Haitian Revolution in 1804, where, you know, this is the first black republic to um, defend itself against its colonial masters. And they actually really used a cool technique that I got to bring up. These are my fun facts of revolution. So they use something similar to a puffer fish. So those of you who know what puffer fish are, they're a fish in Japan that if you don't eat it the right way, like you're dead. That's it. It's a wrap. Uh, So it has to be cooked the right way. But in Haiti, they discovered in the 18th century that if you take just a certain amount of right poison, you can appear dead, hence where zombies come from. And they Mm. took it. And they thought, uh, the colonial masters thought they were dead. And those folks just rose up and kicked their ass. So I'm with it. (laughs) But now this is going back to revolution. Like what's next is Haiti is one of those countries that have been systematically punished since 1804 for its revolutionary ways. And this is really interesting because revolution is always connected to power and colonialism, right? Any countries uh, that are in Africa that were under the French, they their form of revolution has been to keep the master happy, for lack of better term. And they've actually prospered in Africa. So if you go to Senegal or other places, they've done quite better and they've been recorded. But in order for you to do better, you have to keep all your money in France.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a huge issue with, with France is that they use um, economics to try to absolutely keep colonialism alive. And so Haiti, for many people, there's a lot of criticisms about the political situation, about the um, economic situation. And what few are willing to acknowledge is that there's been years of taxation by France. Yeah years and years of it and it's just
1: it's stripped.
0: and 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 one of the things that i want to point out is that oftentimes you may have a revolution that occurs and then after the revolution you have people in power but what people don't understand is that unfortunately the burdens the economic burdens still remain because of the fact that like you said nisha in certain francophone countries in Africa you still have to maintain ties with yeah. the you know colonizer in order to uh keep things smooth because the moment you cut ties, it's as if you are banished. And this is where the leaders can, um, I'm talking about the colonizers themselves, can rally around other Western nations. And say, so yeah. you see, this country is incredibly um, unstable. We need to come up with some policies to make sure that things don't get out of control. And really all it is is just self-preservation on the part of the, of the, uh, of the uh, colonialists, right?
1: That's how you got to plan in the head before you revolutionize. Yeah. But one of the good countries to talk about, like, I don't want to give you all bad fun facts. Cuba did a great job. Cuba did a great job standing up to the United States. They did pay some prices, but I still feel like Cuba was like, we did this to ourselves and we're sticking to it. And I, I give them props for that sort of situation. I don't think um, many Cubans would be like, this is great. Thanks so much, Nisha. But. This like this is a country that made a decision and stuck to their guns and they actually allied with Iran. So it's in these are like uh, for those of you who are deep political nerds like me, we have two kind of sort of like political alliances in the world. You've got the West and the West and their friends and then everybody the West doesn't like. They're also a group of friends. (laughs) So it's like a reality TV show. Right. And so in the group of camp or in the camp of non-friends of the West are friends like Cuba, Iraq, and ironically, Caribbean countries because they had the introduction to socialism and communism into the Caribbean countries. So you have St. Lucia in there, um, some other countries that I'm forgetting their names. But then you also have like Russia. You also have like China. So it's really interesting the axis of power. But a really cool thing that comes out of Revolutions is actually really good medical care. I don't know if people know. I'm trying to give you some fun facts to Revolution to make it a little (laughs) bit more fun. So actually, some of the biggest political figures go to Cuba and St. Lucia for medical care. They have some of the best trained doctors in the world in Cuba and cancer leading in Cuba. I know firsthand that St. Lucian politicians, when they were ill, they would fly to Cuba for medical care. Now, the problem with this power of access is that doctors who train in Cuba, for example, of course, have to do it all over again if they make it to the United States or Canada. But Mm -hmm. they are revolutionary doctors. And revolution doesn't always have to be political stuff, right? I mean, it can be hairstyles. It can be women wearing pants. It can be abortion care, which is a big topic now all over the United States and the West are watching because of the recent decisions that have been taken in the United States. And now we have this Grey's Anatomy just did this revolutionary episode on abortion and women's rights and a really interesting crafted story of how they wanted to, it's called Let's Talk About Sex. It's the most current episode of Grey's Anatomy. And they talked about how do we make sex more accessible? And you could tell that the writers were very pro-choice. It was very clear to me as a a person who was uh, watching it. And I thought, isn't this interesting? So another, this is not a fun fact, especially if you're Black out there. The voting rights that were given to African-Americans is actually not a right. It can be retracted by the government. So that means that's why people were getting like really and rightfully so worried when you know the the government or the the supreme court or the courts were pulling back uh, roe versus wade because other rights can now other so-called rights and that's why i say no right is ever guaranteed can now be pulled back and this is becoming a slippery slope of morality when you start to give the states, the right to do things that are fundamentally uh, have to do with human bodies. So revolutions come in many ways. Uh, Talking about women cutting their hair, women wearing makeup, not wearing heels. Heels was a revolution when it came in. You know, um, being able, let's talk about the revolution of black hair. Mm -hmm. Two, three years ago, women could not wear their natural hair in their workplace.
0: Let so me tell based. you the greatest, the greatest I'm that you do. Okay. For all the black women out there with natural <laughs> hair, like myself and Dr. Nisha, you go into the interview, straighten it, put it in braids, whatever you need to do. And then once you're hired, you let that Afro out completely.
1: Is that the swag? Is that what you do?
0: Oh, that's my strategy every single time. Well, because you are not you are not going to deny me a job because of my hair. And it sucks that you even would have to take that, steps like right. this. But I'm here for the money and I'm getting through that door and you will not discriminate against me <laughs> because of my hair. In an What interview. do you
1: mean? Your hair is great. Speaking of. hair, oh, Thank you. We have students in the United, it's always the US. Come on, US. Get it, like what are you doing? But anyhow, uh, a student who was a wrestler who wore dreads and the referee came onto the mat and cut the boy's dreads.
0: Stop I remember this. It. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Right? Wait, I remember this too. And Ooh. yeah,
1: right? And so no. it, th- these are this this there is this revolution <laughs> dreads,
0: my G. Dreads. Yeah.
1: As if, you know, they don't listen to Bob Marley in their sleep or when they're smoking the ganja at night, whatever. Oh but, my gosh. but this is this is another revolution. And, and I want all of you to pick the revolution because remember what I said, you can only keep three emotional things happening in your brain and you should pick the three that you feel that you want to actively commit to. Because if everybody picks three, then we're all good. Right. Everybody should be covered. Yeah, that's my math anyway. So-
2: Let me ask you, since you mentioned the natural hair, do we feel like there has been significant change from the Black Lives Matter movement?
1: I was just about to bring that up. Um, You know what I find interesting? People are like, well, since the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, no bitch. No bitch. No bitch. bitch. Black lives have been going on since you enslaved us and brought us to the goddamn continent. Right? So Black Lives been mattering. And the only reason, and it's very, very emotional and personal for me, that people are like, oh my God, yeah, maybe Black lives do matter, is that sacrifice that Mr. George Floyd did when he was murdered publicly during the pandemic. Because now everybody had nothing to do and this shit came on TV. Psychology tells us that people who are in the same group don't like when other people shame them. So it's like the three of us going out, people all knowing that we're part of messy truth, and then I decide to vomit all over a venue and people will be like, "Nah, man, that niche girl, like, mm, she's part of messy truth." People don't like that psychologically. They don't like to feel shamed. And here we have you know, again, George Floyd calling out for his mother. While systematically losing his life, and people of Caucasian descent had to see that, and the, for the first time, I think they were like, "Yo, we don't like this." Uh, can it, I, I know, say... I know, we don't like it, Mar. But this is this is the shift that we begin to see. So when people say, "Oh, we started our DEI work in 2020," I'm like, "You should have started yeah. it ages yeah, back." Yeah,
0: you know, there's really. <sighs> there's there's something interesting that people were able to see during the Black Lives Matter movement and following the George Floyd uh, murder. And what we saw, I, I saw very openly, and I'm sure there's people who are still going to deny it to this day, but to me it's just, and let me just say not all white folks, but some white folks, know exactly what the fuck is going on they do the, it's really what it comes down to is the empathy switch they decide whether they want to put it on or turn it off That's and a fact. i and i feel like there is that there was the just this like proclamation of oh we didn't know bitch you knew you knew, exactly what's been, you knew exactly what was going on and you knew exactly what has been going on. And let me just say that one of the things that irked me the most during the movement was, you know, let's take it to like a whole celebrity uh, point of view right, right now. Lady Gaga, when she tweets out and says, oh, my heart is broken. What, do, what Tell me, like, what is it that we need to do? Bitch, you know exactly what you need to do. You know exactly what's going on. You know exactly what it is okay. that is happening. I'm gonna help but out you here, do listeners. not want to change your position and you don't want to step out from the crowd and stand up. You just don't want to lose your position in society. So I feel like I get very irritated mm-hmm. when certain white folks pretend like they just woke up and saw something happening, but they when did you know exactly what's been going but on. But that's themselves. what
1: I'm saying, they Some did. Some of them
0: have known exactly what has been going on. They've just chosen to pull the covers over their head and pretend like nothing has been happening. But they know exactly, they know full well what has been happening. And that's what bothers me the most. I this hear you. This is why I do not have any love for politicians. Because, listen, we just had uh, an election, a provincial election here in Mom Quebec. Man. I already explained to the listeners that the pendulum has swung the other way. And our current government has initiated all of these like moral laws, moral legislation to appeal to voters in areas of the province that have more voting power. And so they bring up this, this is now where they bring up the problem with our society is Uh, are is the immigrants. The problem with our society is Muslim women and Jewish people and Sikh people. The problem with our society is that no one is speaking our language. They're not speaking uh, the language that we like. And now that the election is over, there's no more talk about those being those quote unquote factors for why there's ills in, in the society. And it's because the politicians know that this is what the people who are, have voting power want to hear. It's a political game. It's all about like just shenanigans and screwing around and trying to say anything to appeal to voters. And this is—it's like—it's <laughs> like—it's like stoking a fire. And you, it's not just unique to Quebec. You see it all over the place, all across uh, states in the in in the U.S. You see it in other countries. And this is the thing that I really hope listeners can walk away from the show knowing, and it's that it's the the war is never really about the war. Never. Fact. It's never about the war. It never. just isn't. Like, I heard an amazing quote. I can't remember where it came from, but it's, it's the quote said, war is politics with bloodshed and politics is war without bloodshed okay the war is never about the war there's always some sort of issue that's far deeper and far greater behind the scenes azar you explained that with regard to the current regime in uh (laughs) they're they're imposing a set of values for the society to live by but yet their own children are not abiding by those values the values of the members of the Quebec government. For many years, they have been insisting that people who live in Quebec should learn French, should operate in French in their work life, in their family life, in their social life. And they've even denied the right for people to send their children to English language schools. And yet, where are those politicians' children's going to? They're going to English schools in they're going to private english schools here in the province and they're going to english schools abroad in the united states boarding schools expensive private schools in the United States, and they're free to learn the language that they believe is oppressing their people. And I just same hypocrisy. Bro. People but that know that's what I'm up. trying they to know tell you about up, revolutions. But they just don't want right? to give up the power.
1: You got to have a plan. The power is you got to have, that's the problem. You got to have the power and the plan. And my thing with black lives matter is that. I don't know if I agree that you're still waiting knew. for your money
0: back. You want to you you want to rent the house that 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 founder uh, purchased with all no, the. No. <laughs> I will tell you with this. all the funds the organization received. I will tell you this: the root of
1: revolution starts with you. That's that's one thing I've realized in in all my years of doing this work. And people ask why I do it. Is because it really starts with me. There's one thing I live by is that my access to privilege cannot come at the expense of someone's oppression. And until Mm -hmm. people can hold themselves accountable to how much privilege they have and who's underneath you while you're holding that privilege, then people will continue to fight for some form of equity. And that's the issue that we have. So Mar, when you're like, oh, we didn't know, the truth is they probably didn't think they knew because they didn't have to know. They have the privilege of not knowing. They have the privilege of closing their eyes. They have the privilege of putting their blanket over their head. There are people in this world who have the privilege of never interacting with different people and living their lives of privilege. So that's one of the problems that we have in revolutions, right? When we are making a decision to choose the privilege to ignore the oppression of others. So that's why we do the work, right? So you know, whether it's doing this show, to me, this show is an act of revolution because we talk about things that are messy, that people are like, yeah, you know, I didn't really want to talk about that. But, you know, I said it. We're good. Mars said Someone else said it. You know, the, the, that's the we act of revolution. Said it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can say a lot of things, but, you know, I, I don't know who's listening to the show and I don't want to be on no one's watch list. I'm trying to travel <laughs> and that's one of the limitations of doing being an activist, right? You got to yeah. know what you want to say, who you want to say and who's listening. That's just facts. That's just facts.
2: Yeah. Well, but, I want to talk a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement as a non-black woman, okay? Because I think for me one of the things that happened then and what I see again during this time with the Iranian protests is the whole subject of silence is violence right if you're not if you're not what is the what is the word if you're, if, you're
1: silent you're complicit you're complicit
2: thank you mm-hmm. there you go and i i felt that to my core during the black lives matter movement even though i cannot relate right i have been a recipient of racism but absolutely not to the degree of you know a black woman or a black man especially in the united states of america I'm racially ambiguous. There's privilege with that. So it was the whole facing of like being aware of my privilege, right? Very eye opening for me. There was a lot of language that I was faced with during the Black Lives Matter movement that made me aware of my oppression, of oppression towards me that I didn't even realize was happening, right? Like, we heard the term gaslighting so much during the Black Lives Matter movement. We we saw the, the disparity and the discrepancy between how you were being treated in your workplace or how you had been treated in school, how you're treated by the police. So different. And the spectrum is yeah. huge. And... You know, I'm definitely not on the white side of the spectrum necessarily, but I'm not on the black side of the spectrum either. So it was very Mm -hmm. eye-opening for me that these conversations were being had and how many people that I knew were not talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like it was Mm -hmm. enraging to me that people were not acknowledging what was happening and talking about it actively and sharing. Now, mind you, I never saw the George Floyd video, nor do I want to, nope. right? I yep. th- I never shared that content. I think it's very triggering and I just don't think that it should be um, sensationalized, right? Like I don't, yep. but I know how important it was for people, for some people to see it because of the denial, because of the lack of awareness and because of, Mar, you're right. You knew But now you can't deny it, right? Now you can't say it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not happening. I think that that was so important. I don't think the change was enough. Kind of like what you said, Nisha, that some revolutions cause change. It's not enough. I do think that there was a good amount of change, though. I feel like a lot of people who are getting away with saying shit that shouldn't have been said and doing things that shouldn't have been done are being a little bit, more punished or more at risk in their corporate environments and i think that was so necessary i don't think it's enough um
0: but i tell
2: you this revolution that's happening in iran this conversation that's happening around it is very reminiscent for me right Mm. in a different way right like Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of tweets and messaging about check on your black friends like we are not OK. Your black friends yeah. are not OK. I mean, I thought I got it then, but I get it, you know. Mm. I, and yeah. it's really it's, you know, that that trauma exists in the entire African-American community, African-Canadian, black community, you know, in the Western culture maybe in Africa I don't know but I know that that trauma is real and it's generational and it's so hard to like live with once it's come up again and mm-hmm. it's go, it's experiencing it through this revolution today that brought that back for me you know what I yeah. mean
1: no, I get it mm-hmm. 100% because now you're like, oh, shit, that's the taste that none of us want in our mouth. You know, when, like, yep. if you came to my house and eat, you're like, goddamn, Nish, we love you. But that's not the taste we want in our mouth because you can't cook, mm-hmm. bitch. <laughs> and unless I have my Hello Fresh box, then maybe. <laughs> but but the, the thing is, I, I think people, I don't want people to feel guilty for picking up their cause. Just know that every cause is connected right? Another mm-hmm. fun fact, the differences in human is point 0.8. So point eight is what makes us different, right? Whether it's our skin tone, our hair, whatever, that other 99.2, that's all us. So, you know, I don't have to be Iranian to pick up, I don't have to be indigenous to understand. I am a woman. So I definitely understand this one, like this one, it irks me to the core with the abortion rights, right. it irks me, because I'm just like, Hold on a minute. You don't even have a uterus. Dude. Yep. Like, How
2: the fuck are you? Are you
1: in my body? Anybody, like shit. Right? That's some yep. that's some legal rape there. Like I, I just can't even take that one. But
2: it's it is you're you're so right because essentially it's human rights, right? Like yeah. it's literally basic fundamental. What the fuck are you doing in my business because of yep. my sex, gender? You know, orientation, skin color, ethnicity, religion—what the fuck are you doing in my business, bro? Get the fuck out of my business! And like, here we are in 2022, and your people don't have this this, right. People don't have this shit right,
1: but they don't have it right because the very foundation of this shit was wrong. And that's how I wanted to get to this point. We can talk about human rights. We can talk about you know privilege and power, but. The truth is, the biggest revolution, and oh my God, I know I'm going on the watch list now. The biggest, (laughs) no, for real, the biggest revolution that we've got going on right now, the number one revolution we have is to usher out this current system of oppression. And I'm just going to say it what it is. This current, and I don't even call it white supremacy because to me, it's whoever benefits from its supremacy. This beneficial privilege system, I, so for those of you know, I can now reveal that I am an abolitionist activist. So for people who don't know what that means, an abolitionist activist, please read Miriam Kaba. She's amazing. But it's hard to read her books because she talks about prison reform and how we need to get rid of the prison system and so forth. But an abolition abolitionist activist is someone who understands that you have to tear down this system with a plan to rebuild. You're literally a life doula. That's literally what I dedicate my life to is being a life and death doula, like ushering out this bullshit. This shit is on life support. Let it go. I'm sorry, let it go. People (laughs) will put their animals down. People believe in euthanasia. Let this system go. This system has Just done gosh. nothing but bring about systematic pain to people. It's like a bad it's, like, it's a bad fucking relationship. We've talked about relationship on reset. this show. Hard a hard reset. reset. Like man, we've dated like the poor people from the plus community and the indigenous community, the Armenians, the Iranians, the like what the fuck? This is done. It's on life support. I know some of you are have a hard time letting it go. Sorry, Boo. It's time. Yeah, but Call you know it's in. exactly
2: what you said. It's the people who are benefiting from it that are forcing Hold on. it. Hard. Just hanging on. And the people who are benefiting from it. And don't acknowledge that they're benefiting benefiting from it are the ones that really fuck with me the most, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Let that whole check your privilege shit is so motherfucking real. Like yeah. for humanity, put your personal shit aside for the better good of an entire fucking People. human race and population. Like, <laughs> how hard is that? And honestly, if you're not That's willing the to do that, yo. You got to go, too. You got to go, bro. Like, you know, the Darwinism theory, like... At this point, I kind of want to make it a little bit more personal. Like maybe we should just get rid of all these fucking people so that everybody. That's some else channels, <laughs> Marvel
1: shit. That's some Marvels. Just to let you know, listener, she's got her glove on. She's got all it's the stones selection. ready. Mm-hmm. I know. That, 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 that's Sorry. the real. No, that's the real revolution that we're facing. Right, that revolution of self. Like, are you willing to be a person who commits themselves to planning forward because it's got to go but you got to know what you want to usher in and committed to letting people know like, yo, it's got to go. Because but there's an easier if way. If we continue do you, maintaining.
2: Do you guys have lantern flies in Canada? Have they crossed I don't the border?
0: Know if they're, if so are there's bugs, this, they are bugs, they Yeah,
2: it's a bug. Oh, so yes, a, yes,
0: we do. We're told been, to take a picture and then kill them.
2: Take a picture, right, and stomp on sight. This is what I feel about these people.
0: That's not me, government. Stop that's not out. me.
2: Anyway, Nisha, if you're on a watch list, my sister, I will be on the watch list with you.
1: I've been on the list. Why do you did... <laughs> listen? True fun true story listeners. I've been on a list. Okay, too, I've been on a list since 9-11. <laughs> too, that's baby. why Before my 9/11. ass that's what I'm saying that's why my ass got a nexus. Take my biometrics and fuck off. Because every time I travel, they're like, oh, we are subject to ran- random my ass. It's not random yeah. that you want to search me. Man, yeah. like, fuck off. So now I just say, yo, there's my nexus. I- I'm-, I'm vetted. Go away. Leave me alone.
0: It's crazy. Can I crazy. just say that I don't want to give the impression that everybody has to be, like, out there in the streets no. or online no. posting things. I am-, I am not a big believer that if you don't post something on social media that you are an enemy. I like I don't live by that social media rule. I think it's stupid. <laughs> you can support rule? breast cancer and just because you don't wear the prank ribbon, Thanks. you know, you're you're not in support of um finding a cure for breast cancer. So, you know, if we don't you want performative are not shit. Yeah, mm. definitely don't think that just because you participated in Blackout Tuesday that that is, uh, you you know, a sign that you support a cause like, mm. I, I feel like social media is not the way that I'm judging on whether someone mm. is a an ally, because it's the worst actual it actually, for me, it's the worst form of presentation to show that you're an ally like I don't I don't believe it I just don't believe it there's so much crap that goes online goes on online that I just I don't really care you know so what I want to see is do you give your friends a phone call are you calling me when you know that shit is happening are you sending me a text message and saying girl I don't understand what's going on but I'm here if you want to talk if you want to rent if you want to rave Um, or even just seeing like, hey, can you recommend some books for me to read that will actually help me open my eyes about this situation? That, to me, is way more meaningful than you putting something up on your social media account. Because I really don't care about your Instagram account or your Facebook page. What? Everybody loves a good Insta. (laughs) That's not where that's not where the change happens. The change happens, like you said, Nisha, in you as an individual. Very much so. So ask for book recommendations, have a conversation with me. Call me up or send me a text message. Yeah, and, just do
1: and don't read the book and cry. And like, yo, you read Right Fragility. Good for you, bro. I don't need to, <laughs> like, nah. Like, I have to be real. I
0: never want to see that book. That's
1: some, like, no, that's please. some, like, isn't that's that written really by a writer.
2: Isn't that written it by, is, by a It is. Woman but no, but there's
1: actually it. some really good stuff there's like i forget their name they're in los angeles it's a white group allies and they don't allow people in color in there because they recognize they exhaust us i
0: am and i am always for that, that. Do y'all you? created this problem you take care Fix of it, it. you nah, talk to your people you just don't expect just to me say, to read that like, book I if you really
1: want to start with a good book like a really good book man go learn some history that's not yours How to start there yeah you know and there. I have an activist playlist, as you know, as I'm getting ready. So Mar is right. You don't have to put on the paint under your eyes and the disguises. Shout out to Static because, you know, he's my fellow activist as well. Um, but you can get a good hype list to get you ready when you are protesting in your mind or with your fingers or with your legs or with your mo whatever you're doing. So some of the songs on Nisha's activist playlist are It's Gonna Be All Right, Kendrick Lamar that's like that's of course shit. of course police by jay dilla and nwa
0: and nwa These is my shit yes. amen
1: uh mississippi goddamn nina simone this is the shit like when people are crunking like doing drive-bys this is the shit i'm listening to when i'm doing activist buys. <laughs> i'm like D-d-d-d. um this is america mm-hmm. strange fruit uh exodus by um bob marley who the Cap Fits, Bob Marley. Aye, aye, aye. Bob Marley was prophetizing. Or, yeah. Fight the Power, of course. Uh, Paper Planes, MIA. Uh, what are my other... Li- I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh, and I always end with Today is a Good Day with Ice Cube. It's yes. always the last <laughs> song on the playlist.
0: Because if that song. I come back... And I didn't have to use my AK-47. Right.
1: I always end with this song because I'm like, protesting is real. For those of us who go out in the streets, there's a lot of undercover uniforms out there. And they are always, I shouldn't say always, but usually they're ones who are like fucking shit up where the rest of us are, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's always people out. And when people go to protest, they always bring their own issues and it can really mess things up. Yep. So, um, anytime I make it back home and, and, and it's not just going out to, to be an activist site right, in the streets, right? The boardroom can be a protest for me. Yes. The classroom can be a protest for me. Um, yep. anything like that. And after I, if I know I have to gear up, I'm always ending with today's going to be, you know, today was a good day cause I'm back. Yeah. I'm blessed. God's had my back. And, you know, I think, the Like I said, the biggest revolution is the one where we decide, do we want to be a better human? Period. Right. Period. That's I the think we revolution. will need to
0: do an entire show on the subject of our top... 10 activist songs yeah. and the that, songs that were hard. and
2: the songs that were created around I mean for me there are so many songs Iranian songs specifically that are that one that has just gone crazy viral just uh, this, mm. this one artist in Iran who wrote for you know for the sake of that's the name of the song for the people and for the kids mm. and for the for the boy who you know feels like a girl and for the afghani children like there's so many amazing so much art, right, that is inspired yeah. and, and amazing art that comes from these kinds of uh
0: life Situations, events. But yeah.
2: I wanted to also say I agree with you, Mar, in terms of the performative, you know, bullshit on, on social media. But with regards to the Iran situation, there is such a push for social media because mm-hmm. the Western... It's shut down. There is, the internet is shut down. They have no kind of visibility. And like, you know, Nisha said, yeah. the revolution must be televised. There are exceptions, and this is
0: one of them. And there are exceptions with regard to uh, some Asian countries, like for instance, when China was shutting down social media regarding the protests in Hong Kong, and so many other examples. In those cases, I am in full support of using social media as a political tool Mm -hmm. in order to bring light and full awareness, global awareness to what is happening in, in certain places. Always protect yourself, in privilege though. I'm just saying in privileged western countries mm-hmm. it, doesn't nah, same, same it doesn't have the same
2: the same impact for sure. But definitely with regards to Iran, please share anything you you wouldn't believe that some people are still not aware of what's happening. And it's been happening for a month people are yep and it's a bigger it's bigger than Iran at this point so just please yeah. share repost anything you can find and we definitely yeah. should do a, a whole other I can't do episode. Nah, we're gonna we're gonna delve into the music of this
0: of this whole vibe. Songs, of episode, sure. Five to ten. Five to ten. No, we, no, no. Know, I mean, we, I can't we'll stop at like ten. Hundreds. I
1: have a whole yeah. <laughs> but she has a <laughs> one, one. last thing before we go. We got four of course, minutes. Of course, of um, course. I just want to say, hip hop is the music of revolution.
2: Hell right? oh, yes,
1: like hip hop. Absolutely, and I, you know, people. I'm such a purist. I think to <laughs> but <laughs> like if you talking about gang gang the bitch looks so don't worry i like to shake my ass too it's a whole running joke on the show i like to All twerk we know. but hip-hop and its roots was to talk about the state of people that was going mm-hmm. on in new york right and so yeah that to me when i listen to a shout out to you know black star self-definition mm-hmm. that's the opening track of my activist Liz because it really speaks about you know like knowledge itself is like life after death and i was like okay yeah we're good
0: that whole black star album is, is a revolution, revolution in, in itself, and of itself.
1: right yes. and I, and i shout and- out to kendrick cuz to me he's that next person coming up yeah. talking about real shit but hip hop itself, everybody who's got protest music, although it did start with Otis Redding and like, you know, Bob Dylan talking to each other and a change gonna come and Bob Dylan, I do a whole unit on protest music. So I'm, this is like my shit. But (laughs) honestly, folks like, you know, music has always been a source of revolution, whether it was to get you out of slavery, whether it was to tell you a direction, whether it was a call and response, you know, music and, and, and be careful out there. I mean, I know I'm, I like to go out and Oz and Mar are talking about their ways, but this system will not die easy. So you be careful out there. You protect yourself. It's, it's not a game. People will, people will fuck you up. So protect yourself in the revolution game, but that's it before we go ahead, Mar,
0: before we, before we wrap it up, I just want to also bring attention to uh, another book, That I read several years ago that totally opened my eyes about um, something, you know, what's happening in conservative America, if you will. Um, We just talked about white fragility and how I never want to see that book cover again. (laughs) Nothing against the author. I'm just, white people go out and get that book. If that's what helps you open your eyes and see things, go ahead and do that. But I also want to draw attention to another book called The End of White Christian America by the author and scholar Robert P. Jones. Mm -hmm. And that book is about um, the decline of white Americans who identify as Christian and why it is causing so much peril in the white Christian community, how it has been complicit in the issues surrounding black christians in the united states and just black people in general racialized individuals in general and why we are seeing some white folks act really cray cray today (laughs) Uh, and why there's always this very interesting theme of um an apocalypse is happening Mm. it's it's really interesting that that um the equalization of rights in the united states is always somehow synonymous to some white folks as mm-hmm. <laughs> as like the, the end, end of the of world, the world. <laughs> right. well it is <laughs> and that's right? really where it comes from right but it's it is the end of their and world and their or a transition into a new world and the inability to accept the evolution And so it's a really fantastic book. It explains, it was published, um, it was published like several years ago, but it explains why you guys, (laughs) why you guys got the president you got several years ago, Mr. Trump, and why you're seeing a lot of people from white communities uh, behaving and acting a certain way. And that is also very similar to what is happening here in Canada and also, specifically here in Quebec, and why people in more rural, you know, homogenous communities are having a difficult time accepting the change that is taking place in the world around them. So, I strongly recommend that you guys go and check out that book. It's, it's great. It's a great worry, intel for we you. we are going
1: to be all right. Be well, all
0: right. I hope we will be. I hope we will be. So, that's it for us. We appreciate you for listening. Thank you ladies for your incredible um, contributions to the show. And just, um, I pray for y'all on the watch list. I am not on a watch list of any kind that I know of. You're
1: associated with us now.
0: So I can still go out there and bail you out. I can still bail you out.
1: To be corny, we wanna be on your watch list so check us out on all of our social media platforms that's why you can use social media to check us out yes. facebook instagram spotify apple da, da, da. Oh, that's that that's usually ma's stuff. part
0: rating and reviewing us would be greatly appreciated yeah you got right. some more of that guys for that. please yeah
1: don't please worry thank you today was a good day
0: today was a, today good, day. Was a good day Peace. peace y'all